of disagreements among brethren. How do we coexist in a congregation where we don't all look at everything the same way? And we won't look at everything the same way. We're not clones. We're not identical in every respect. Why not? Well, there are different levels of maturity, different uh, understandings about some things. And the church should be able to sustain some diversity of understanding and even lifestyle. We don't have to come to a common mind on everything. Are there things we do? Yes. Are there things that we can have some diversity of understanding and practice about? Yes. We don't have to feel like every disagreement has to be resolved, although we must all agree precisely on every single point. Now, these matters that he's going to cover in chapter 14 are not matters that were fundamental to the gospel. He will say in 1470, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. There are fundamental things, and there are things that are less fundamental. Uh, these were matters here of conscientious conviction before God. There are applications of principles that may not be spelled out in the Bible. There are subjects that people may have uh, different uh, consciences about. And so that's what he's talking about here. Now look at verse 1. Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. You know, when somebody else doesn't have the conviction that he can do what you think you can do, you shouldn't be overwhelmed with a barrage of criticism. Or we shouldn't see this as an opportunity to debate him and prove him wrong. Or receive him with the idea, I'll get him straightened out pretty soon, concept. We don't condescend to him. We don't think, you're such a fool, you can't do this. Um, we don't try to argue him out of his convictions. So, we've got to have mutual respect. And in some areas, we do not try to eliminate the possibility that we're going to see some things differently, we're going to do some things differently. Now, I do understand that it's challenging for us to identify what areas properly fall within this realm. And some people are just kind of arbitrary. Well, here's the things that fit Roman 14, and here's the things that don't. I'm not sure we can do that either. But I do think it will help us to look at the chapter and think about what he's considering. He's going to be talking here about eating meat. Some believe you could. Some thought you couldn't. Now, I don't know for sure why there was that divergence of opinion. But I think it perhaps, from things he says in chapter 15 and earlier in the book, may relate to Jewish traditions and beliefs. Perhaps unclean meats of the Old Testament that some of the Jews still didn't feel comfortable eating. Uh, perhaps they couldn't find any meats in Rome that they felt like were clean. Maybe there are other questions. Could there be questions about meats and their history of being possibly being sacrificed to idols? He also talks about observing days. I suspect he's dealing with Jewish special feast days and so forth. Some celebrated certain days. <coughs> Others treated all the days the same. Um, so there was diversity. 
people coming from different backgrounds. If it's Jew and Gentile, the Jews had come from a whole different culture than the Gentiles had. They didn't always feel the same way, didn't always practice the same thing. So that's what we're looking at in this chapter. Let's go ahead and read a little bit and talk about it. Would somebody read 14, 1 to 6? Now, except the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinion, one person has faith that, faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge a servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not, for the Lord he does not eat, and gives thanks to God. So he's giving us some principles that apply to the strong and the weak. The strong here would be the people who uh, feel like they have more liberty. The weak would be those who are more restricted. So to the strong, he says, accept the weak. Accept the brother who is more restrictive than you are. And don't treat him with contempt. Don't treat him disrespectfully. What ridiculous scruples he had. Uh, I, can't, I can't believe somebody would think you couldn't do that. Don't elevate yourself over your brother who has a conscience about some things that you don't. Don't argue with him. Uh, that's important. You're not trying to just make him do what everything you think you can do. Those things seem fairly obvious. It's probably easier for the strong than for the weak to apply. Uh, but, but your brother, he may feel like he can't do some things. That you feel like, what's wrong with that? Well, respect him. Appreciate the fact that he's following his conscience, that he has some, some, you know, guilt about certain kinds of things he's not going to do. Uh, this is a rather minor example, perhaps, but it was helpful to me. When I was very small, I don't know, probably, uh, I lived next door to a Christian family. And my mother was pretty restrictive on things we could do growing up. And uh, we lived in a very, very uh, non-traffic subdivision. I lived at the back of the subdivision. It's one of these places that had big yards. You know, I was at the end of the street. But mom would not let us ride our bicycle on the road. And, you know, so my friends were, you know, teasing me and trying to get me to ride it on the road. And the Christian kid that lived beside me, who was about two years older, stood up to him. He said, if his mom said for him not to ride it on the road, he shouldn't ride it on the road. That meant so much to me. He was willing to defend my conscience. I realized I couldn't disobey mom. But it was hard when they were trying to get me to. We respect people who have restrictions that we don't. Um, but the, to the weak it's a little more difficult what if you're the one that, that feels like it's wrong to eat the meat or that you must observe the day 
He says, don't judge your brother. Now, you have to apply that carefully. We're not talking about some matter of gross sin. You have to balance this with a passage like Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13, where Hebrews 3.13 says, um, encourage one another day after day as long as it's called a day, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We're really dealing with something that's absolutely sinful. Then it's another matter. But but if, if, if your brother is doing some things that bother your conscience, but they're not clearly sinful, then don't judge your brother. God's able to make them stand. Uh, don't criticize the other, um, you know, don't condemn the other one who decides differently than you do on some matter. Don't judge another man's servant. How would you like it if somebody walked into your business and started telling your employees what to do? And they're not yours. It's not us to, up to us to be the judge, up to us to be the decider of every difficult question. So don't take a prerogative that doesn't belong to you. We need to be more respectful of our brethren. Um, now, if you look at verse 6, they were doing this on both sides for the Lord. The goal must always be to do what I believe the Lord wants me to do. If I'm not thinking about the Lord in this and seeking to follow what I believe the Lord's will is, then all bets are off. He's not talking about me. He's talking about the weak is not doing certain things, is restricting themselves for the Lord's sake. The strong is is doing certain things, believing that that's what the Lord wants them to do. Uh, We can tolerate diverse practices which don't violate any Bible pattern, Bible norm, when we're motivated by what we believe the Lord wants and the glory of the Lord. Everything we do has to be carried out with a view to what pleases God. But there will be certain situations in which we will disagree about in this situation what pleases God. What can I do? What can't I do? And and we need to have the respect for each other and work together in spite of the fact that we don't look at everything exactly the same way. Now I'll pause and let you make comments or ask questions. Yes, Jason. It's kind of curious that he calls the people who are more restrictive the weak brother. Uh, because sometimes I, I think if, if we feel we are more restrictive and following a, a stricter standard, that it, it's somehow perceived as being stronger or being more religious. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't really think he means to say weak and strong in the sense that the weak is worse. But the weak is less, can do less. The weak is more restricted. So he's unable to do certain things that the strong things he can do. I don't think he's trying to make a judgment against the weak in that. I don't think he's trying to say that they're bad, the worst brother. But they're simply, their faith does not permit them to take certain actions. Uh, that is still interesting because there'd be some people who are more restrictive who would insist we are the strong ones, they're the weak ones. That's the attitude he's trying to overcome. We we shouldn't have this dis, you know disrespect for the other side that has a different view than what we do. Again, we're not talking about matters that are spelled out in scripture that are clearly matters of right and wrong. But there are a ton of issues that come up that it's difficult to be sure exactly how to apply the Bible on them. And, you know, I feel like the proper application is this, and you feel like it's that. And neither one of us can definitively prove what, we're, what we believe in the Bible. 
We will say, well, I think this is the proper application of these principles. The other person will say, I don't think that is the proper application. The Bible doesn't spell it out. And we, we're going to have convictions about it. I don't think these guys are people who are saying, well, I, you know, it doesn't really matter, but here's what I want to do. It's a matter of, of they have conviction. They believe this is what God wants them to do. Other thoughts? Yes, Ben. Just for that question, the, the passage came to mind in James where he talks about looking at the perfect law of liberty. Uh, I, I don't think that's something that we always think about, but especially compared to the law that we've been discussing under Moses with the restrictions of prescriptions, uh, we do have a lot more freedom uh, under the law of Christ. So, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's just a, an extra layer to think about this distinction. Mm-hmm. Good thought, Brad. So just to clarify, do you think maybe in actuality the one who is the weak one is the one who thinks he's the strong one? So the one who's passing judgment on whoever that may be, that's the weak one? Um, well, I don't know. I mean, I think here the weak one is the one who thought you couldn't, and the strong one is the one who thinks you can. Um, but I don't think he's trying to pass a judgment about the weak. I mean, you know... I, I, you know, there's all kinds of, uh, it's hard to come up with maybe what the best uh, illustration is in, in our time. Um, you know, what if I asked this question? Maybe, maybe this would be a relevant and, and kind of something we would, we would uh, find, you know, applicable today. Um, we would probably, in this group, have quite different standards, say, as to what kind of movies we could see. Think about just language. Think about that in school. Can you see a movie that uses a euphemism? Can you see a movie that uses a vulgar word? Can you see a movie that takes God's name in vain? Can you see a movie that takes God's name in vain several times? Can you see a movie that takes God's name in vain in kind of a gratuitous way where there's no reason for it to? And can you see a movie if the moral's good, even if the language is bad. And so, and we're going to, I suspect there'll be 15 different ideas about what we'd see, practice about what we'd see. I probably would be out of the more restrictive half of that anyway, uh, in this group is my, my guess. Uh, but, but I'm going to have a hard time nailing down a verse that just says, here is the move, here's the line. It's right here. And uh, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Now, I, I do think most of us probably have some pretty strong convictions about some of those things. We have, we have some, some rules we set for ourselves that we feel pretty strongly about. We probably set some rules for our kids that we feel pretty strongly about. But we're going to have a hard time just saying, I can absolutely prove for everyone this is where the line has to be. So, you see your brother. And we would see a movie that has a slime word in it. You know, I mean, what in the world? He's in the 21st century. No, you don't think that way. You respect the fact. He's got a conscience about that. You know, he's, he's following what he believes God wants him to do. You're not going to try to argue about it. You're not going to try to be disrespectful and disdainful. 
can't believe you're such a wimp. You wouldn't even think about acting that way. You would actually encourage him to follow his conscience, and you'd be careful if you went to see a movie or if you showed a movie at home that he was okay with everything that was in the movie. On the other hand, you've got a brother. Let me see some movies that, man, I, I know, I've looked it up, and that's got five bad words in it, you know, or whatever. I just can't believe a Christian would do that. Well, you let God judge that. You continue to love him, to respect him, and pray for him. It's going to be harder for you in some way, because it's going to be like rather than your fingernails across the chalkboard, and if he ever says, you know, I watched that movie, you're like, but you realize I can't absolutely prove that you said when you heard a word in a movie that wasn't appropriate. And so you swallow hard and say, God will judge that, and I'm going to love my brother. Jason. Exactly. That, that's exactly right. And, and you know, I, some of these issues are things we feel strongly about. You know, and they may not be something spelled out in the scriptures, but some of these things we feel more strongly about than we do basic doctrinal issues sometimes. <laughs> you know, this is a matter of lifestyle. And wow! Yeah! And, and so trying to show respect and appreciation, it challenges us. I think all of these things are hard. And it helps sometimes when we are close to brethren that look at some things differently. Sometimes that really tests us. And I continue to respect a brother who just doesn't draw the line where I really believe it ought to be drawn. I wouldn't have drawn it if I didn't think it ought to be drawn there. But, but you know, I think the, the, the issue I brought up is a good one in the sense that is really not something that I can spell out in the Bible that will just come down and say, this is the way it has to be. I think we'd all have to acknowledge we're just, we'd be hard-pressed to prove my position is the position that has to be defined. I might even, if I was close to a brother in love, be able to say, you might think about the effect of watching this could have on your children. You know, uh, but I think you have to do that humbly and respectfully and not arbitrarily say, you follow my rule or else. You know, ladies? Okay, an example that comes to mind in Mexico, uh, Catholicism teach about uh, playing cards, sometimes when people are playing cards, saying that it's a sin because it may be linked to gambling or not. Right. So for decades, like in Spanish in Colombia, whenever we will go and we will sing or, or, or study and everything, and then sometimes we'll just play cards. But there was one gentleman that he believed, he thought that it was a sin to play cards. So what would we do? Even though sometimes you will talk and explain and, 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 and explain the Bible until today, he still believes the same way. So if he will be with us, we will not play cards. You can do a lot of other things. So that the focus here is love and unity. So you can still do that. And, and it's not the word like I'm weak or strong or anything. It's just, 
Right. Amen. We can definitely sacrifice our liberties for the sake of our brother. Austin? Is there a balance when you think about the military like in, in all this community that, that it can exclude everything? You know, and they do it from a, a religious background, a basis, a communal basis. Do we, do we fall into any areas where we, we go too far with that as, as brothers and sisters of removing things? Well, we clearly go too far when we condemn our brother for what we have a conscience against. That's what we say here. So if we make the community and say, you have to follow these rules that we've arbitrarily made, and we're going to judge you and condemn you if you don't, I think clearly that's wrong. I think we do go far in trying to respect the conscience of our brother and trying not to do something that would cause him to violate his conscience. Uh, I think we are concerned about that. And, uh, so I think it would be perfectly appropriate to give up card play when that brother is present who doesn't believe in that. Uh, and, but he, if he finds out we play cards at other times, should not be judgmental of us. So, Scott. I've heard people say really bad things like, well, you know, when you've studied this as long as I have, you'll understand what it that's like the most cutting thing you can almost say to somebody. But the thing that helps me in this is God says several times in Leviticus, you be holy because I'm holy. And I think First Peter 2, that's quoted there as well, if I remember right. But this idea, if I look at somebody and I see something, I think, you know what? I've got plenty of stuff of my own to work on because I'm trying to be holy. I'll let them take care of that. I'll take care of me. And I don't worry about it. I mean, that's not on it's I'm willing up God's in the stick when I try to do those things. Right. So I'm just going to keep working on me, and I'll let them work on them and get on down the road. Yes. Amen. Good, good thought. Yes, awesome. Sort of a follow-on question to my other, you know, how do I, this is open, how do I explain that to my children in a way that says the Mallorbees do X, but, but, brother and sister so-and-so do it differently in a respectful way that my children know that, that you know, maybe even my rules are harsher than other families, and, and maybe they are, back to the, the brother's sake, the, the conscience sake, give me, help me have some practical ways to be able to explain that to my children. I mean, I do think that's something we do need to teach our children, that we're not always going to have the very same practice with our brothers. That's something they're going to have to learn. Something I learned growing up. Um, and so I mean, we may need to teach these principles in a basic way. Not everybody, even that we go to church with and that we love as brothers, has exactly the same conscience about this. I mean, that's, that's the practical reality. Somebody may have a good thought about how to do that. But I do think we've got to, we've got to teach that, and that's, that's going to be part of it. I think we try to be conscientious when we're with other brethren and not be tempting their children to do something that they would find wrong. You know, I think we need to be respectful. Um, you know, they may come from a different background, a different family. So, we would teach our children, we have choice words. And we, we use that phrase a lot when they were growing up. These are words that we choose not to use. There's not a list in the Bible of euphemism right. or whatever. Yes. So we would say, these are choice words. Not everybody has the same list. 
But we don't have a Bible list, so that's okay. Yeah, good, good thought. And words, obviously, are a part of that, John. I think one of the important words in verse 1 is opinion, obviously, as we talked about. But the judgment going from weak to, to strong or strong to weak is not a judgment about those opinions. It's about the person. That's what we need to be careful of not forming is a poor judgment of the person because the opinion is different than that. Right. The hard thing sometimes is to understand it is my opinion and that my opinion is not a lot of gospel. But yeah, I think I think those are both helpful comments. This is helpful to think about, you know, something this is our choice as a family, this is not something we can mandate for everybody, John. The the difficult part when I'm the weak person is I believe I'm applying it to myself because I think it is doctrinally important. And so it's really hard for the weak to discern when is something that I think may be doctrinal, not truly doctrinal, because the word says, no, this really is fine, you know. When is doctrine not doctrine, and when is doctrine doctrine that needs to be stood for and upheld? That's the challenge. The challenge. That's a challenge. And so I think, go ahead, God. Amen to that question. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so we ask the question: Is there a passage in the Bible that absolutely spells out how many bad words I can listen to in the I think there is. I don't think that means we shouldn't have a commitment about that. I don't prefer to watch a movie that's going to have a bunch of cussing in it. I don't think that's a good thing. I don't. I hope my brethren don't do that. But. It's clearly not something that I can just point to the birds and say, this is what you have to do. You know, I'm going to be uncomfortable, and I'm going to hate it, but some of my brothers are going to see some things that I think are really not very good for them. You know, but how can I just say, I can tell you where the line is, work chapter birds. Some of these things are really difficult. And and I, I again, I would say, I might be able to, in humility and love, appeal to a brother. You know, could, could you think about what impact this might have on you and your family? But I think I have to leave it at that. And, and it is hard. It's hard when you're the weak brother. Jason. One question I have about the passage is that at least the issues that Paul does bring up in this passage, the Yes. <laughs> well, I don't know. Anyway, that's, that was funny. But um, <laughs> when I think about my life as a Christian and where I've come from and where I am today, and I think about the patience that people had with me, and I may say something I shouldn't say, and they'd say, you might want to think about not saying that, you know, kind of stuff. And they were very patient with me and let me grow, let me change, let me move along. They didn't run me off. They didn't, um, they didn't, they weren't mean to me. They just let me grow. They gave me time. I think that's what growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord is about. We've got to do that for other people too. Amen. We got to be patient, regardless. We can't let it drag us down. Just be patient with them and let it. You do the best you can, and assume everybody else can do the same. Good.
We've got plenty more Romans 14 to go. I'll close this with this statement that we'll to watch here. Uh, Hebrews 5.14, but solid food is with mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. With maturity, we have our senses trained to discern between good and evil. You know what that means? Sometimes with maturity, we see some evil in some things we didn't realize were evil before. And we realize we need to avoid some things that didn't seem that bad before. And with maturity, there's some things we were really afraid of and we thought were bad that we've come to realize they're not going to hurt us at all. Our maturity will gradually change our conviction about some things. And yet we have patience with one another as we're coming to those things. Um, good discussion, relevant. I appreciate the brotherly spirit in those things. We need to keep that always, and in most congregations, it's harder. We're kind of thrown together, and for three days we put up with each other. It's harder when you have to live with each other for a long time. And we've got to continue to work on having the spirit that we should have. We're going to have some pizza back here. I think we got fifty. That should be enough for everybody.